What wondrous love is this. Amen. What wondrous love. Well, we're going to continue this morning the series, Jesus, His Passion and His Triumph. As we journey to the cross, as we journey to the cross. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 23. And we're also going to be looking in John chapter 19 this morning. Luke 23 and John chapter 19. This morning we're going to be talking about the words Jesus spoke from the cross. The words Jesus spoke from the cross. You know, it's said that many times after a person has died, somebody will come along and ask, This question, did they say anything before they died? Especially if someone has an interest in that person or maybe an interest in what that person has or had. They always want to know, what did that person say? Did they say anything before they died? I was reading some comments on some, kind of really some of the last words that some people that you would be familiar with had to say before they died. Here are the words of William Carey, the great missionary. Before he died, this is what he said. He said, when I'm gone, speak less of Carey and more of Carey's Savior. Susanna Wesley was a mother of John and Charles Wesley, the founders of Methodism. She was on her deathbed with just a few hours left to live. And this is what she said. Children, children, I'm about ready to go be with our Lord. Would you please sing a song of praise to God? What did they say before they died? As we begin the next, next, really the next couple of messages are going to be surrounding the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. What did Jesus say? Did he say anything before he died? The answer to that is yes. Jesus spoke some very significant words before he died on the cross. And we're going to look at those words from God's word this morning. We're going to look at three of those words that he spoke this morning. And so, I want you to hear what Jesus said from the cross. Because you see, not only was it relevant then, but it's relevant now. Not only did it have to do with those who lived in that day, those who crucified Jesus Christ, but it has to do with those of us who are living today as well. And you'll see that as we go through this passage of Scripture. So we're going to read today beginning in Luke chapter 23 from verse 26 to 43. And then in John we're going to read several verses there. So if you'll stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. If you don't have your Bible this morning, please use one in the pew there that's provided for you. Or look on with that person who is standing next to you as we read together this morning. You follow along. Beginning in chapter 23 of Luke, verse 26. 
And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great crowd, a great company of people, a multitude, and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which, into which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear, and the, and the paps or the breasts which never nursed. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two others, malefactors, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then Jesus said, here's his first word from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him or sneered sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar or sour wine. And saying, if thou be the king of, king of the Jews, save yourself. And a subscription also was, well, a superscription was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, his second words, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now turn quickly over to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And we'll listen to the third word that Jesus says from the cross. John chapter 19, beginning in verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, His mother, and His mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Father, bless your word this morning. Lord, bless the message. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me this morning. Lord, allow me to speak Your words to Your people. Lord, allow us to hear what You have to say. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Did Jesus say anything before He died? Jesus said something very significant. We're going to look at the words that Jesus spoke. And in particular, the three that we read in the passage this morning. First of all, we're going to talk about a word of intercession. A word of intercession. As I was reading these passages of Scripture and studying this week, I, you know, you, as you read, you try to picture what it must have been like during that day. During that awful time in the life of Jesus. The Bible tells us that he had been, he had been taken to a, to a place outside the city of Jerusalem. And that place was called Calvary. See, that was the Latin word for the place that he was taken. The Hebrew word was Golgotha. And the Greek word was skull. The place of the skull. And there Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. There He was crucified. There He was killed for me and for you, for my sins and for your sins. Jesus Christ was hung on the cross. Prior to this and during this time, Jesus had been, he'd been abused verbally. He had been scourged. He had been beaten. He had been sped upon. His beard had been plucked out by the roots. And there He hung. As He hung on the cross, it had been some 14 hours since He had had anything to eat or anything to drink. You remember the Last Supper when He ate with His disciples. It had been that long since He had anything at all to nourish His body. And He had been through all that He had been through. And here He was hanging on the cross in excruciating pain. And yet He spoke those words to those who were there that day. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now I want you to notice three things about these words of intercession. First of all, it was a word of prophecy. Jesus from the cross that day spoke a word of prophecy concerning that very day. And, and, and the crucifixion was a fulfillment of that prophecy. For you see, for over 700 years before Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that this day would take place. And that Jesus would speak those words that He spoke. You see, isn't the Word of God marvelous? I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that, that God put all these things together? He orchestrated every act that had taken place. And that He used men and women to bring forth His Word. And 700 years before the birth of Christ, this prophecy was given. Over in Isaiah chapter 53, listen to verse 11 and 12. Listen to the prophecy that was given concerning this very event, this very day. He shall see of the distress of his soul and shall be satisfied. But by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and shall divide the plunder with the strong. So you see, you hear the prophecy, and you think about what was taking place during that day as Jesus hung on the cross. Now listen to this. Because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. A word of prophecy. Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the midst of of suffering and agony and torture, Jesus Christ prayed a prayer that fulfilled the prophecy of, of the prophet Isaiah over 700 years, made over 700 years earlier. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As He bore the sin of many, He also interceded for them. That's my Savior. That's my Savior. A word of prophecy. Why don't you see something else about this this word of intercession. It's also a word of prayer. A word of prayer. As I, and again, as I was studying this, 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 these words of, of Jesus from the cross... I read. A, I was reading a book called by, by Chuck Swindoll, and it was talking about the darkness of this time and this in the, in the history of mankind, the darkest day. And he suggested that Jesus didn't just pray this prayer one time, but he prayed this prayer many times during the time he hung on the cross. And he suggested that that as they nailed the nails in through his wrist and through his feet. He could have very well been praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As they took that crown of thorns and and pressed it into His brow, He could have very well been praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As they took that cross beam and and, and put it on the the, the other piece of of the cross and raised it up and, and dropped it into that hole, He could have been praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Over and over, Jesus was very likely praying this prayer for those who were committing this awful act. A word of prayer. But not only do we need to understand that Jesus was praying for those who were crucifying Him, but today, He's praying for you and He's praying for me, you see. For the Bible tells us that that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and He's there forever making intercession for you and for me. Jesus continuously prays for you and for me. Yes, even though we we crucify Him over and over, even though we sin, even though we, we hurt Him, even though we break His heart over and over, Jesus continues to offer up a word of prayer for me and you. That's my Savior. That's my Savior. But there's something else about this prayer, this, this word of intercession that we need to see this morning. We see a word of pardon. You notice what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive their ignorance. They don't know what they're doing. And so therefore, Father, I don't want you to, listen, I don't want you to punish them 
and give them what they deserve. I want you to forgive them. I want you to pardon them. Now, folks, I don't, I don't know if you can comprehend that or understand that today, but, but imagine how we would have reacted had we been there on the cross. Could we, could we have said that, those words? Could we have prayed that prayer? Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm reminded of Stephen who, who was stoned to death. And in the midst of being stoned, in the midst of being killed for standing up for Jesus Christ, Stephen prayed basically the same prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross. Lord, forgive them. Don't hold this to their account. Could I have done that? I don't know. But you know what is so wonderful about that? I read a sign, uh, one of the church signs that I was going around somewhere a couple of weeks ago. You know how they, we, we all put our little, little sayings up on our signs. And, and, and I saw this, this sign, and, and really it related to exactly what we're talking about this morning. This word of pardon, this word of forgiveness that Jesus Christ provided, that He spoke on that day for those who were crucifying Him, and also not only for them, but for us as well. The sign read, God formed you, sin deformed you, and Christ transformed you. That's what happens. Isn't that wonderful? And that's exactly what we're seeing here. God formed us, sin, sin deformed us, but Jesus Christ transforms us. He pardons us. He forgives us of our sins. And by the way, He forgives us of our sins past, present, and future. And you know what? He did that on the cross. I read a story of a, a man who was about to give his heart to the Lord and he was talking to his pastor and he said, Pastor, he said, there's a, he said, I understand most of what we've been talking about, but he said, there's one thing I just cannot understand. I cannot grasp how God can forgive us of sins that we haven't even committed. How could God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, forgive us of, of our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins? He said, I just can't grasp it. I can't understand it. And for a moment, the pastor was silent, as if he was trying to just to, trying to think of how he could respond to this man's question. And finally, he spoke up and he said this. He said, he said how many sins of yours were in the future when Jesus was crucified on the cross? And the man said, all of them. Every sin, every sin has been pardoned. Every sin that you've ever committed has been pardoned. Past, present, and future. Folks, listen, I'm telling you what. It, it's, it's, as hard as it is for to read this account of, of the life of Christ as He hung on that cross, as difficult as it is for us to imagine what He must have gone through, what joy it brings my heart this morning that I can tell you that your sins have been forgiven, that your sins past, your sins present, and your sins future have been forgiven. They were forgiven at the cross of Calvary. Folks, that's rejoicing. That's a reason for rejoicing. All of us should rejoice. He knew every sin we would ever commit, and in spite of that, He pardoned us and forgave us of those sins. Only God and His power could make that happen. You're probably thinking this morning, well, I don't deserve that. <laughs> You're exactly right. 
I don't deserve it either. None of us do. Hey, that's what makes it so wonderful this morning. We don't deserve it. We deserve hell this morning. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But, but praise God this morning, He doesn't look at me as, the, as a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. But He looks, he looks at me as a, as a pure, righteous Son of the living God this morning. And He looks at me at, that way because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of anything I've done or anything I can do. And isn't that wonderful news this morning? That is wonderful news for us all. A word of intercession. But then I want you to see a word of inspiration this morning. A word of inspiration. Did you notice the Bible says that Jesus was not alone on that hill that day? That there were three crosses on that hill. And they were arranged that, that on one side was a, one criminal, on the other side was another criminal, and in the middle was Jesus. Now, you know, I don't know why they arranged the crosses like they did. I don't know why they put Jesus in the middle like they did. But some writers say, well, it was just, just to add insult to injury. It was just to prove to the people that were gathered around the cross and, and, and knew the claims that Jesus was making about being the Messiah. It was to prove to them that, that these people who surrounded Him on the cross were the only people that He would ever reign over. It was another way to blaspheme and abuse our Savior. Putting Him in the middle on the cross with criminals surrounding Him. But even in this situation, Jesus offered words of hope and inspiration. But you see, the Bible says that there were also two other criminals led with Him to be put to death. And, and they were there on that hill called Calvary with Jesus. One on the right, one on the left. Now, if you go back and you read over in the book of Matthew, Matthew tells us that, that as Jesus was hanging on that cross, in the beginning, as the scribes and the Pharisees and, and the soldiers and all those that came around were, were, were verbally abusing Jesus, calling Him names and, and, and putting Him down. While they were all doing this, Matthew tells us that even both of the criminals were doing the same thing. Both of them were, were joining in with the crowd and, and abusing Jesus as well. But then we're told by Luke that a change began to take place in one of the criminals' lives. A change took place. Now you wonder, why in the world did, it, did this man change? After all, at one moment he was cursing Jesus, he was abusing Jesus. What in the world happened that caused this man to change? Well, you, know what I, you know what I believe happened? I believe that man looked at Jesus Christ. And could not help but to see how he handled all that was going on around him. How he acted when they, when they abused him, when they spit on him, when they crucified him. How Jesus handled it. How he was in, how was he, he remained silent. How he, he took, 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 took he, he didn't get out of control. He didn't lose his temper. Listen, Jesus handled it like the Son of God. And I believe this man looked on him and saw something different about him. When he looked at himself and he, and he looked at his, his, his fellow criminal, and then he looked at Jesus, he must have said, this man is different. This man is different. 
He's not reacting like we're reacting. I can't help but think that he looked at Jesus and he began to question, why is he different? He saw in him more than just a man. Saw in him more than just a man. But he saw in him the person that he claimed to be. And as this man realized who Jesus was, the Bible says he cried out in mercy. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He very well read the inscription that was over the head of Jesus on the cross. King of the Jews. He must have realized that every king had a kingdom. He must have realized that, that Jesus was the, was the very one who could, who could name his eternal destiny. Because he cried out to him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus cried out to him. Jesus responded to him. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. A word of inspiration. Folks, you know, if that's, if that's not a deathbed conversion, there never has been one. Don't you think about it. Immediately, immediately, as a result of crying out in faith to Jesus, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, he didn't, he didn't have to be baptized. He didn't have to do good works. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to be put on probation. He didn't have to go through a new members class. He didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was in faith cry out, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now listen, we don't need to get hung up on how people come to faith in Jesus Christ and what they say. So many times we think they've got to say certain words and they've got to, to do certain things. And Hey, listen, all we need to understand is to, to be saved today, we need to exercise our faith in Him. That's all He requires and that's all this man had to, had to offer. He had nothing else to offer, by the way. Neither do we. If you're to come to Jesus Christ today, you must come by faith. By faith. It's not about anything you've done. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you have. It is about faith. Exercising faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when you cry out to Him, as this man cried out to Him, I'm telling you this morning, upon the authority of the Word of God, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. This man was saved. He, he was guaranteed a place in heaven by Jesus Christ. Today, you will be with me in paradise. What awesome words of inspiration Jesus offered. In the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of agony, Jesus offered hope to this man. And He offers hope to us today as well. Let's see something else about these words. We see a word of interest. John, John 19. John 19. Now think about it for a moment real quick. Think about it. Jesus 
hanging there on that cross in pain. And in those six hours, he never lost his temper. In those six hours, he had full control of his emotions. In those six hours, he, he never showed signs of bitterness. All he was concerned about was others. All he, was, he was never concerned for himself. All he was concerned about is others. And then in the book of John, we have really, I believe, one of the most, the, 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 one of the most tender moments that took place around the cross. As, Je- as Jesus looks down from that cross, and there, amongst those gathered, He sees His mother, Mary. He sees His mother. Now I want you to think about something for just a moment. Imagine what it must have been like for this precious lady, this mother, to see her son hanging on that cross. You know, I don't know, because I've never experienced it, I don't know the pain that comes from losing a child. Some of you here in this building know what it's like. I've never experienced it. But can you imagine watching your adult son nailed to a cross? Suffering unbelievable pain. And doing it the way that Jesus did it. Can you imagine how Mary's heart must have felt? I mean, she raised this young boy. She was there when he took his first steps. When he said his first words, she was there. As he worked side by side in the carpenter shop with his father Joseph, she was there. She saw him grow into a a strong young man. She heard him teach. And now there he was, dying on a cross, an innocent man. Innocent. Jesus, I believe, knew how much His mother loved Him. I believe He knew that. And you know what? There's nothing like, there's nothing like a mother's love, is it? I mean, there is something about the love of a mother that you never forget. It's always with you. I can imagine that, that Jesus in His mind's eye was, was picturing all the times that, that He had with His mother there on that cross. He was concerned about her. As a matter of fact, He was so concerned about her that, that He was going to make sure that she was provided for when He was gone. And you know what? There's a great lesson for us. A great lesson for us. We need to make sure Listen, if your mom, if your mother's alive here, we need to make sure you need to make sure that you let her know how much you appreciate and love her for what she has done for you. You need to take that opportunity to let her know that. And we as we as parents here this morning, especially you mothers here, I want you to know how special you are. And what an impact you make on the lives of your children. 
And how you need to, need to take that very seriously today. Jesus loved his mother. The Bible tells us that as he was hanging on that cross, and as he looked down into her eyes, he said, Mother, behold your son. But he didn't stop there. He looked at the, the, the disciple, the one that loved him, John, who had, you know, at one point had deserted Jesus with the rest of the disciples. He had fled the scene. But now he was back. Jesus must have loved John dearly. Because he entrusted to him one of the most precious prizes he had. The life of his mother. You see, when Jesus spoke those words to, the, to John, he was saying to him, he said, behold your mother. He was saying to him, I want you to take this woman and I want you to treat her just like you would your mother. I want you to love her. I want, I want you to take care of her. I want you to provide for her just like she was yours. I want you to be good to her. I want you to make sure she has everything she needs. I want you to, I want you to take her into your own home and allow her to live as your mother. You know what the Bible tells us? that That's exactly what John did. In fact, the Bible says that he took her into his own you see, that passage of Scripture, the word home is in italics, and that means that it was not in the original language. So what that means is he took her into his own. In other words, he made her home his. He made everything that was his, hers. He treated her just like she was his mother. What an act of mercy. What an act of compassion. What an act of love that Jesus performed on the cross that day. But again, you and I need to take a lesson. You and I need to hear as well what Jesus would have us to do. You see, at the closing of His life, at the closing of His earthly life, Jesus was more concerned about everybody else than He was Himself. And you know, folks, if we would, if we would understand that principle today as Christians, and we would look beyond ourselves, and we would look into the world today, and see that there are people all around us who are lost, who are without Jesus Christ, who are in need of love and compassion and help, and if we'd spend our time caring for them, providing for them, being concerned about them, we not have time for all the other things that we get so hung up on. Jesus Christ loved people. He gave His life for every person who's ever lived and whoever will live. And as He did, He was telling us, you need to do the same. You need to be more concerned about others than you are yourself. You see, Jesus Christ had our best interest 
at heart as He hung on the cross. And He still has your best interest and mine at heart today. He wants the very best for you. And you can have the best today. You can have the best that, that the Creator of this universe offers in His Son, Jesus. You may be here today and you're, listen, you don't, you don't know, you, you, when you read this story, it really doesn't make a, a lot of sense to you because you don't understand it because you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Him as your Savior. Let me tell you today, don't leave here. Don't leave here without trusting Christ. He hung on the cross for you, died for you. For your sins and my sins. And He wants you to be with Him forever. What about it? I wonder if there's anybody here today who would say, you know what, I, I've never accepted Christ. I've never trusted Him. I've always trusted in myself. I've always thought I could take care of things. I've always thought that I could do it all. But I realize today that there's someone that loves me even more than I love myself. His name is Jesus. And He did an incredible thing for me. He died on the cross. And I want to know Him personally today. You can do that. As we close the service, I want you to know the altar is open today. It's open for you to come and pray. It's open for you to come and just bow before God. It's open for you to come and, 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 and speak to someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll have folks who will be here at the front. Our encouragers will be here. And they, will, they, they can sit down with you and take the Word of God and show you how you can come to faith in Christ. What do you have to do to be saved this morning? You can know before you leave here today. Your life can be changed by the power of God. But it's up to you. You see, Jesus did say something before He died. He spoke words of significance. Words that changed lives. And that are still changing lives today. I wonder if it will change your life. It will if you allow it to. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today praising you and thanking you. Lord, as we contemplate and as we think about the words that you said on the cross... Lord, our hearts are moved. Father, we thank You for the sacrifice You made. And Lord, we want You to know it was not in vain. I believe there are people here today sitting in this building who have never trusted You as Savior. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'll speak to each and every person. Draw them to you today. Even, even as we were singing, Lord, draw us near your wounded, bleeding side. Save some soul this morning, Lord. Draw some, some, of, some of your own people, some of your, your, your believers here today who have drifted away. They've, Lord, they've become complacent. They've lost their excitement, their zeal. Lord, they just need, need for You to rekindle that fire in their lives. Lord, I pray You'll do that today. God, Your church needs revival. And it could happen today. It could happen today.
Holy Spirit of God, move in this place that you might get honor and glory for us in Christ's name. Baptist Church, we ask you to come. We'd love to have you, your family. But again, Jesus is here to meet every 